Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. Uh, Yesterday, I... um went around to some of the places here in Connecticut where my family's from. Uh, This is on my father's mother's line. I went to uh, a burial ground in Simsbury, Connecticut and was able to find the headstone of an ancestress that died in 1691, which is really amazing. Um that the stone is still there, that I was still able to read it. Um, And they spelled the name differently, but the death date was exactly the same. So, and there were many other people with the same family name right around. So um, when I saw it, I sat down and just started crying, you know, and then I was like, wait a minute, is this the right? And then, um, there was like this little microburst and these big fat juicy raindrops came down for just a couple of minutes um, so that let me know that that I was in the right spot um, and uh, from there I went to Farmington and um Farmington, Connecticut, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. So this area, there, there were a lot of abolitionists and suffrage, uh, folks here. The, the Puritans that had come into Massachusetts, um, I know I've dogged on them pretty heavily, but Uh, I need to mention that um, to them it was very important that everybody know how to read Um, because you needed to be able to have access to um, God's word in the Bible as they saw it so um, everyone needed access to that they didn't think you needed to go through a priest as a mediary and so it did open this door for um, for the ideas to come later, like abolitionism and um, suffrage and these kinds of things, right? I mean, that was a really revolutionary revolutionary idea um, that everyone be taught to read and not just the elite. So I do need to give them props for that. Um, Without that idea, so many of the other movements that, um, that I do admire would not have been possible. So praise and thanks, praise and thanks. Um, 
So in this area, uh, around in Hartford County, uh, Connecticut, there there was a lot of uh, abolitionism, a lot of uh, suffrage um, enthusiasts and supporters. Um, a lot of underground railroad activity happened here, and um, when the Amistad event happened, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but, um, you know, it was this, well, maybe I'll talk about it now. I don't know if my dates are going to be right. Uh, I know it was like early, mid 1800s. Um, there was a ship, um, that had picked up slave, it was a Spanish ship and had picked up slaves in Sierra Leone and taken them to Cuba. Um, and the Mindy were the people, the cargo and the ship itself had not been intended to ship cargo. Um, so, uh, some of the slaves were underneath in the hold and some of them were on the deck and, uh, there was a revolt they managed to get free. They killed a lot of the members of the crew, the crew and um, were picked up off the shore of Long Island. They were then taken to New Haven, Connecticut and a um, trial ensued to determine whether they were slaves that had murdered their masters or freemen that had acted in self-defense. Um, the reason this was a question, <laughs> as horrible as a question as it may, have, may seem now, was because England and America had banned international slave trade by this point, but Spain had not. Um, so uh, they, they docked in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, the trial started. It took a couple of years. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. And while that was happening, the Mindy people were uh, brought to Farmington, Connecticut and sheltered there by uh, abolitionists in Farmington. Um, my family also lived in Farmington. So um, I have no idea whether they supported this or were opposed to it. Um, but this is what was happening in the area. And as I was walking through the, the cemetery um, there in Simsbury, uh, it's really interesting to see the sort of um, results of a more expansive view, right? Like not only in the records where women's names have actually written down, um, which if you've ever done any kind of genealogy uh, you'll run into that frustration constantly. Women were also seen as property and chattel, and their names are not written down. 
So the man's name is written down. It'll say that he married someone. Um, and then the name of the person he married is apparently not recorded. Um, and they will bear children, but her name is not recorded. Um, but I, in the cemetery, you know, there were, and of course death is this sort of constant um, companion with all of us, but we forget these days. Um, in generations past, they were much more aware of that because it came a calling more often. So there were several sites that I saw that were, um, you know, like a man's grave and then multiple female graves, um, you know, with wife of, wife of, wife of, all of the same guy. Um, and my guess is that they died in childbirth, um, since that was the number one killer of women. And um, in present day America, it's working its way back up in the the African-American community. Uh, we have maternal death rates, childbirth rates that rival that of developing nations. So we're working our way back there again. But um, it was also interesting to see graves that said consort of, um, so that's interesting and complicated <laughs> you know there's this uh this sort of acceptance of this kind of philandering behavior from men and um you know the the wedding vows meaning that the woman needs to stay faithful uh but the men are never really expected to do that so there's that double bind going on or a double standard going on but at the same time um, it says something that a consort could be buried next to someone with a tombstone with her name. So these are not nameless, faceless women that are, you know, just playthings kept on the side. So it, it's complicated um, and interesting. So that was all stuff that I had noticed in the Simsbury um, Cemetery. And then I went to Farmington. Um, the museums that I wanted to look at were closed. A lot of the, the houses that are on the, the Farmington Freedom Trail um, are private residences. So, you know, don't really feel comfortable, like, snapping pictures or... Uh, that kind of stuff, but um, I did go to the Riverside Burying Ground, and uh, in the front, when you walk in the front gates, there's this oak avenue, and at the end of the avenue is a large marker um, that is uh, dedicated to, is it the T's? The Shana people, I don't know how to pronounce this. I haven't seen, um, my apologies, forgive me. Um, I haven't seen the, um, the pronunciation yet. Um, but the... 
the the tribes that were here before there's you know there's a there's a um a marker there and um It's hard to read, so I'm hoping that um, it will be at the, I'm going to be going to the uh, Connecticut um, Historical Society and Library today. So I'm, I'm hoping that um, The Tunchis Indians, so T U N X I S. I'm not sure whether that's Tunchis or Tunkis or, um, but T U N X I S. There's a marker there um, honoring those that had been on the land before the settlers came. Um, one of the stories that I'd read, it sounded like very similar to what happened to the settlers um, in Massachusetts and Plymouth, that the plague had wiped out the local population almost completely. So they came into these empty settlements. Um, one of the stories I had read sounded like the same thing had happened here, right? That it kind of traveled along the, um, the river. Um, so I thought, oh, well, that's really beautiful, right? That there would be this marker to the people that had been there before. And um, as opposed to being like, oh, well, God visited a plague on these people to clear the land for us. You know, that was providential, uh, which is the kind of attitude that um, I heard around Plymouth. Um, this seemed to be a shift in attitude. And um, But then other things that I've read since, um, it sounds like the, the Tunchi were still here pretty actively and lived close by, um, and that there was trading with them and the settlers that came to the area, um, although the settlers were worried about attacks from other tribes from the south and the north. Um, but then another thing that I read this morning um, said that that burial ground, the Riverside burial ground, was on the site of the Tunchi Indian burial ground. Um, which changes things significantly. And having a marker there is certainly better than not having a marker there. Um, it's clearly more than is done in a lot of places. So I don't want to diminish that act. But I do want to recognize the fuller context of what has happened in that place. And I'm really struggling with it. Um, I've been doing a lot of processing this morning. 
Um, I went to the ancestors and asked for help. Um, I feel like I had several surgeries done on me this morning. Um, and just this maelstrom of swirling emotions passing through me. Um, I'm, I'm struggling with it this morning. Um, so I felt like I should say a thing before I head off with my day. Um, and the plan is to go to the Harriet Beecher Stowe, um, and the, the Connecticut Historical Society, um, and to the ancient burial ground that's in downtown Hartford. Um, but I, um, I need to go back to Farmington today. The museums will all close by five, so, um, you know, so I can go back out there later. But, um, I feel like I need to go back out there today. I'm going to make a bundle before I leave. Um, I was told to put, like, cornmeal and tobacco in it and sage. Um, but to take another bundle out and spend more, because I did lay out, I did lay tobacco on the ground out there in Riverside, but I was not aware um, I was not aware of the full context. And so I feel like I need to go back out there and pay deeper respects than what I did. Um, and as I was driving around yesterday, I mean, it's just, you know, these roads are so beautiful and idyllic and these little rolling hills and farms and the beautiful trees. And, um, but I did find myself wondering several times yesterday where Get Out was filmed, or where it was set, rather. Which says something about the energy, um, if that question kept coming to mind. And, you know, I had been so focused on the history, this, this broader-minded history that's here, um, that I wasn't really tuning in closely enough to not only the fuller context of that history and the gaps um, that are there, but, but what's happening here now. Um, and I went to go visit a friend of mine yesterday that lives in Cheshire in the late afternoon. And, um, and she was telling me that like all of her neighbors are really conservative. Um, she finds it comparable to what was around her in Baton Rouge um, and said, you know, she's pretty sure that everybody around her voted for Trump kind of thing and uh, that there's a lot of anger and resentment and um, and so, you know, it makes me wonder what happened and is it just a natural, you know, how does this go from a place of uh, 
like open-mindedness and challenging the establishment and um, the establishment's desire to categorize people, I'll put it that way. Because um, I think a lot of Trump supporters would say that that's exactly what they're doing is challenging the establishment. But what they're not challenging is the overculture's desire to categorize people and their worth as opposed to um, seeing the in inherent value in all and trying to build a society that can help actualize that. Um, so it does make me wonder what's happened and what the progression has been and how how this place went from being so progressive well before other places to sinking back into this place of resentment and anger. I can't help but wonder if it's a revolution of values that was incomplete. If maybe that's the problem. If it was a nod to progressivism as opposed to full progressivism. Um, an embrace of ideas that never make the trip to the heart. Because I did find out this morning, for example, that even with all the activity that happened um, with the Mindy people that had been on the Amistad and taking them in and sheltering them and raising money to get them back home when they were, um, the Supreme Court actually judged that they were free men acting in self-defense. So even with all that, there was a man named Foon um, that drowned in the river in Farmington and um, it's believed that it was a suicide that he had he was despairing about whether he was ever going to get home um, because he was a very strong swimmer um, so but even with everything that had happened here he there was still a black part of the cemetery and he was buried in that part um, so for all the work that was done, there were still these divisions in place, these categories that had not been challenged. And so it it makes me wonder, right? Like, that until that revolution of values is complete, until we truly see the intrinsic value in all humans at the very least, and I feel like, you know, it we're not going to get there until we see 
all the other than human people that we share this world with. Um, that that revolution has to be totally complete, I wonder. And, and I think that, I mean, this, you know, there's certainly a lesson here about, um, there's an Irish saying that it doesn't matter how tall your grandfather is, you have to do your own growing. And I'm certainly seeing a lesson here about not resting on what we perceive as being the accomplishments of those that have gone before, that there really has to be vigilance and that we have to continue to do our own work. And um, like the beautiful words in our founding documents that talk about creating a more perfect nation that always, to always be working um, to expand, to deepen, to broaden our understanding, our compassion, our progress, our realization of these values, of our values. Um, and I certainly believe that we need to celebrate what we've accomplished. I think um, unless you do that, if you're, if you're not celebrating each of the steps, then, um, then they crumble, right? Um, it takes steps to get to a place. And uh, we need to recognize when those steps are laid, when that's accomplished. Um, so I, I don't wanna, you know, pain at all and failure because it didn't get all the way or hasn't gotten all the way yet. Um, so there does need to be that recognition. But I, this time here is really driving home the importance of um, not resting on our laurels, not resting in the accomplishments of ourselves or those who have gone before us. Not going to sleep is maybe a better word in those places. Gain peace in those accomplishments, but then work to expand the peace. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And uh, gotta be weird and wild about it, you know? So may your heart, mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.